All right, welcome back to the Podcast and Chill Show. We have a, uh, another podcast guest. Last week we had our first collab. This is our second yeah. one. We have Greg Holzman. Is that correct? You got it, yeah. Yeah, first I want to thank you for coming out here. Uh, yeah. Was it like a long travel for you being here? No, I live in Mount Area, and I have another uh, another house by Temple because okay. uh, oh. I go to school there. But, no, I want to thank you guys for having me on. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to uh, recording. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. We're uh, trying to work all summer, co- collabing with other podcasters, other like uh, creative members of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then uh, back to, and like in the fall, we're gonna revert back to our old like anti-social ways. Yeah. Like, but yeah, uh, thank you for coming out. Uh, you want to explain a little bit about like who you are to our listeners? In the name of your podcast. Yeah, sure. So I'm the I'm the creator and host of Philly Famous podcast where I interview uh, people from Philly or that live in Philly that are either or have either already made a name for themselves in any area of life, whether that's sports, TV, music, business, medicine, whatever, or people that are around my age in their early 20s that are you know, young creatives that are either entrepreneurs or up-and-coming artists and musicians, and I try to plug their work, and I call those plug-it editions, and the main editions are with more established Philadelphians uh, in their line of work. And uh, I got about 55 episodes on iTunes and SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to always adapt it, make it better and better. Yeah. And uh, that, that's, that's my podcast. Uh, I can get into my story if you want me to, but just let me know what to yeah, say. Yeah, a little bit more down the line. So how often do you, like, release episodes for your podcast? Or a once-a-week thing? Yeah, I'm not incredibly consistent with the amount of episodes per week, but I am consistent in that I do release one or two every week, uh-huh. uh, sometimes even three so I would say since I started in early November, there's only a couple of weeks where I haven't released an episode. Oh, okay. Sounds good. Okay. Any uh, questions about the podcast? Yeah, like uh, uh, any type, like, uh, can you give us, like, some of, like, any spotlight type of guests you have, like, any highlights? or? Yeah, so I w- some of my more popular episodes, one was Rick Lovato. He's the Eagles long snapper. I had him on a week before the Super Bowl, so that, okay. that got a lot of buzz. Um I have Monet Davis, yeah, Davis yeah. uh, you know, Little League World Series girl, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but she's now no longer uh, a girl. She's almost she's almost a senior in high school. Yeah. Um, who else did I have? So I had um, the top trauma surgeon in Philly at, at the University of Pennsylvania Hospital. Oh, that's sharp. Yeah, that's nice. uh, that was that was a cool one. Um, I'm trying to think of some other lanes. I had some really cool artists um, and musicians. I had Deja, who goes to U Arts. She's a you know, R&B recording artist. She's great. Uh, Michelle's another one. Uh, let's see who else I had. Reese Whitley, he's the number one swimmer, uh, youth swimmer in America. Hmm. I saw that one. Uh, he goes to Penn Charter. Yeah. Um, so I would say some of my higher level guests have been sports guests. But I, if you look on my website, uh, I have I, I list the categories of the guests. And I honestly think that music and maybe uh, entrepreneurship and clothing. I've had even more th- more of those than sports guests. I had Quan Cook, who's the uh, CEO of Beyond Blessed Clothing. Okay. Uh, so I've I've had some pretty some pretty cool guests and and some uh, some interesting interesting diversity of guests. How do you go about bringing guests onto your podcast? Because usually people reach out to us and you know we have to schedule them. Do you reach out to other like managers or you know the artists themselves or the sports sports uh, players themselves? Yeah, I've, I've had a pretty cool evolution in that sense. I started out just working through my network and people that I knew I wanted to have on the podcast. Hmm. Um, so I would reach out to them through my network, either through you know just calling them, emailing them. Uh, then it became okay. I, I went through my network. Now what? So I began reaching out on social media to the people that looked interesting, um, or emailed them. 
Uh, and then now that I've had you know a pretty consistent amount of episodes and I'm pretty well established, I've actually had people reach out to me similar to what you know yeah. what you were talking about, either through uh, social media or email or they find my number somehow. So it's been pretty cool to see you know starting out me reaching out and now people like the show so much they're you know willing to reach out to me to want to be on it. Yeah. Are there like any type of people that you turn down or you're like accepting of everyone? Yeah. So I would say for the first. 45 episodes uh, I didn't turn anyone down and I was open to anything um, just because I believe that uh, you know I wanted to give everyone a shot and I was in no position uh, to be selective because I, I wasn't really well established and yeah. um, but I'm at the point now where uh, because I have had I would say half of them or maybe three two-thirds have been pretty solid episodes I want to keep it that way um, so I want to continue building uh, a brand that that people can look to and, and really enjoy listening to and find out interesting things and hear articulate people and interesting people. So now it's not so much that I don't accept everybody, but I want to get a sense of who they are before I say yes. Yeah. So either a phone conversation or have them send a, an email where they pitch why they want to be on it, who they are, what they've done, hmm. so so I can get a sense of, of of how they speak and what they want to talk about, so they don't you know come on there and bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Making great content, being consistent with great content. That's what it's really about. Yeah. So, uh, how do you go about uh, promoting your podcast and you know growing listeners? Uh, what ways do you like, sort of like utilize social media, utilize like emailing lists? Maybe you want to get from there. Yeah. So I'm uh, I'm new to all of this, and I'll get into my story later on. But this past October was the first time I I touched any of this stuff. So I would say the part that I'm still learning the most. Uh, about and uh, where I need to grow more is in my marketing and branding. Uh, right now, it's it's mainly through Instagram. Uh, I just made a Twitter, um, and and I just made a website as well. So what I'll do is after after I record an episode, I'll send a picture of the guest to my cousin who uh, is pretty good with um, graphic design. And what he'll do is he'll put a quote that was said on the podcast, put it on the picture, and I'll post that to Instagram. I'll send it to the guest and you know. People like self-promotion. People like to to see you know themselves with a picture with a quote that they said. And, you know, it's a it's an ego boost. So yeah. they're very likely to repost it and say go go check out this podcast. Um, so that that's what I'm doing on the marketing front. And I you know I could be doing more, um, but you know I have a website at phillyfamouspodcast.net and on Instagram at phillyfamouspodcast, Twitter at phillyfamouspod, and I'm trying to get you know bigger with my social media. Mm-hmm. So were you ever a social media type person before your podcast? You say you're like just now learning, you know, getting like the ebbs and flows of it and stuff. I mean, on a personal level, I was have a very, very average, uh, mediocre yeah. social media game. Uh-huh. Uh, nothing, nothing special. Yeah. Oh, you ain't had nobody sliding in the DMs or nothing like that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Philly things, right? Right. Uh, D'Angelo Russell. Huh? Oh man, come on now! You see, Nick Young already won a chip, so you know you never know what's in his future. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Come yeah, on, Javale McGee got two rings. Wow. Yes, he does. Anything's possible. <laughs> well, yeah, what platforms are your podcast on? Uh, where can listeners you know? Yeah, so iTunes and SoundCloud. Although I know that some people have Androids, and they tell me they they hear my podcast on on a variety of platforms. I'm assuming those platforms take it from iTunes. Yeah. Um, but those are the only two that. I know, I know about, uh, but I think it, it might be on uh, Stitcher or Spreaker or something something mm-hmm. like that. Um, but I, I would say, in, you know, in, in my Instagram bio uh, on Philly Famous Podcast, it takes you right to iTunes, uh, and you can find every episode on my website. I have a couple episodes on YouTube that I filmed, but I've only done three of those, and I might continue to do more of those this summer when I have more time. Mm. Yeah. 
Do you uh, record video like every podcast or? No, that, those are only three. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you like see yourself in the future recording every every uh, podcast because you know there's different fan bases out there that want to have like different platforms? No, definitely. I think I think the video component is helpful for some people. Me personally, when I listen to podcasts, it's all about the audio. I do it when I'm driving or cleaning yeah. or cooking. Um, so I, I, you know, personally don't like to watch podcasts, but I know some people do, and I know YouTube is another great way to reach, a, you know, a different listeners. So uh, I, I do see myself filming every episode, you know, in the short future. And you know, um, Instagram is going to add like one-hour videos, so like they're going to compete with YouTube. So like you can maybe you know put your own podcast on there, yeah, like a video podcast. Or yeah, what's that? Like, um, just record, like, your podcast video. No, no when is the Instagram? Oh, when is it? Yeah. I don't even know, but it's sometime this year. Cool. Uh, like, one hour long. That would be sharp. I don't know how it's going to work, yeah. though. Be because, sharp. like, Instagram doesn't have, like, a, you know, like, like how YouTube has their, like, uh, a platform for yeah, videos. Like, you can't yeah. scroll on Instagram. You can't, you know, pause the video. Unless they'll make their own little section. They might have, like, a feed section. Yeah, a feed section. That would yeah. be sharp, though. Where you can search the video you want to It's going to be good for um, music artists to mm-hmm. upload mm-hmm. your music videos on there. Four minutes long. No, YouTube's definitely been cracking down a lot of stuff, so I guess people are, like, trying to, like, get away from it, maybe. I mean, who knows, but... Well, YouTube's going towards TV now, too. Yeah. Yeah. They have YouTube, YouTube TV. TV, yeah. They had YouTube a lot of ads TV. yesterday on there. Yeah, NBA Finals were promoting it. Yeah. It crazy. If you look in the background of the press conferences, it's ABC, NBA, and YouTube TV. Mm-hmm. $40 a month. Do you think that's where the world is going? Like, no more TVs. Everything's on the, uh, on the computer. Everything's on your uh, smartphone. Yeah, I mean, it's all digital. And I, through the podcast experience... Uh, you know, I've grown a fascination with the whole rising digital media industry. Okay. Um, so, you know, in the future, I, if I'm not in podcasting, I want to be in, you know, in website creation or in video or in, you know, online journalism. I, th- I love all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I think it's um, better because you can watch like on your own on your own time, like I think like all the content on YouTube TV. And like on your regular TV, you gotta you know, have a set date, have a set time to come watch TV. And they have and like, it's not, it's not cool. And they have like seasons of stuff. Cause I know YouTube TV, they have yeah, like, a lot, they like, have season King of the Hill episodes, seasons of like all different like sitcoms and stuff. So that's actually a pretty good idea. Yeah, and it's better for consumers to. Uh, and cable's expensive too. Nobody yeah. wants nobody wants to really just pay all that money, much money for cable anymore. Nothing's ever on cable anyway. Yeah, those businesses are actually turning into um, streaming platforms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, so uh, cable, you know. Xfinity stream. Mm-hmm. All of like um, all of the viewership's gone down. Yeah. I never was a cable person anyway. Like it's too much. Shit, I never really had cable. Come to think of it. Yeah. No. What you do as a kid? What? Cyber Chase? Come on now. Oh, PBS. The PBS. On the Saturdays. Only what? And Saturdays, yeah, you had you had Yu Gi Oh to come on Saturdays. <laughs> and they had like Jackie Chan Adventures that would come on like during the week and stuff. I got I by that show. Yeah, Jackie Chan Adventures was a good show. And they had uh, American Dragon that would come on. What was that? American Dragon Jake Long with Jake Long. I think I remember it like It was the Jackie Chan show. It wasn't a Jackie Oh, Chan no, show. that was a... That, oh. No, no, no. Oh. No, no, listen. That was a... <laughs> Jackie Chan was a Jackie Chan Great Adventures. Yeah, Jackie Chan Adventures. Then yeah, it was like American yeah, Dragon, yeah. Jake Long. Yeah. yeah. He was Man. fighting to do Shendu. I'm not racist. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> All right. Um, diverting from that. Uh, right. Little tangent. So, uh, yeah, um, you said you went to Temple. He goes. Yeah. Oh, you go to Temple. Sorry. Thought you gradu- graduated. How's that? So, uh, yeah, what are you uh, studying there? What are you majoring know why are you there yeah well i mean it's a long story why i'm there but for the major uh i'm a sociology major and uh you know if i were to do it again now knowing what i'm into i might you know i might do communications or media or journalism 
but I really like sociology because I like the liberal arts and I think that you become a really good critical thinker, a good writer, a good public speaker. Um, so I think it, a lot of the skills you learn as a liberal arts major translate to the real world and to the job market. Um, so while I'm probably not going to be a sociologist, uh, I'm, I'm happy with, with what I've learned and what I'm still learning. Yeah, so do you think what you learned in Simple like improved how you are on your podcast, like speaking to guests, you know, um, being a being a podcast host? Yeah, absolutely, because I would say a big theme of my podcast, maybe not every episode, but in a lot of episodes, uh, is social justice and a lot of social issues. Mm. And as a sociology major, yeah, that's almost that. all we talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I've become relatively well-versed in, in a lot of that. Um, and, you know, for a lot of my class projects, it's, it's, pre- it's presentations and public speaking. Yeah. Um, and prior to my podcast, I was the biggest mumbler, the biggest stutterer. And for some reason, when I got in front of the mic, uh, came together and I and I sound pretty clear I mean a lot of people tell me that they they like my podcast voice um, and I credit you know school with that for a lot of it mm-hmm. what do you think helped better like did your sociology classes help better with your podcast or did your podcast help better with your sociology, sociology? that's a good question uh, that's interesting I haven't I haven't thought, I haven't thought about that before coincidentally I wrote it down last Say, night Kelly you're a genius <laughs> no um you know I I don't necessarily think my podcast has helped me in school. Mm-hmm. It's made me more enthusiastic about learning because mm. I think a big part of podcasting and something that I'm still really uh, developing and growing in this w- in this way is being able to talk about a lot of topics, and that involves knowing a lot and being educated yeah. uh, and reading. Uh, so it's it's made me more intrigued by school and the opportunity to to learn from. You know, professors and 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 books. Although uh, you know, I need to read a lot more. Um, but but I think just just being an intelligent person uh, allows you to be a relatively good podcast host. Hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. We're all trying to like read more as well, like in broaden our right. like, vocabulary. Yeah. Reading yeah, yeah. books. We're on our book grind, I would say. Yeah. yeah. Oh, 2018 and 2019. Any good books you've read lately? 2020. Uh, I mean, the last book I read in school, which uh, I loved, was the, I know it's pretty old, but it's the Ta-Nehisi Coates book, Between the World and Me. Okay. Um, you know, it's like the letter that he writes to his, to his son about being uh, a black man in America and, what's that, and what that's like. So uh, I think I read that for an intellectual heritage class, and I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Do you um, listen to other podcasts to, like, help, you know, uh, take parts from, like, Joe Rogan? or other podcasts out there and put it to your own? Mm-hmm. No, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I would probably say seven or eight on a daily basis. Yeah. Damn, that's um, a lot of some of them... I listen to like four. <laughs> no, I mean, some of them I, I take um, some stylistic components from. Others I just like because they're so different from mine. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of which is part of my take, which is a Barstool Sports... Uh, yeah. Like almost like a, a, sat- a satirical sports podcast. It's, it's the number one sports podcast in America. It's funny as hell. Um, that's probably my favorite, but stylistically, and probably my podcast inspiration was is Bill Simmons, uh, yeah. who uh, he's like the CEO, president of The Ringer, yeah, uh, yeah. which is a, a sports a and pop culture blog mm-hmm. and podcast network. They have, they have tons of podcasts I listen to under that podcast network. Mm-hmm. But he's he's really the pioneer of modern day podcasting. Yeah. He's he's more of a, he's more of a sports background, but a lot of his guests are comedians or actors, um, and I think he does a really good job of of combining humor and lightheartedness with some really serious good content 
Mm-hmm. Um, some some other ones under the Ringer podcast network that I listen to are the Rewatchables, where they talk about the most rewatchable movies of all time. Okay. Um, they, they have a similar one about TV shows called The Recapables, and I love Westworld, and I love mm. Game of Thrones, and they have two of those. Um, they also have the Ringer NBA show. I'm a huge NBA fan, so I listen to that. The, the Low Post, The Starters. Uh, so those are just some of the podcasts on a regular basis. Tim Ferriss is another one, although I find him to be increasingly um, a little bit arrogant and a little bit, you know, he's not enough self-effacing. Yeah. Um, so, so he's a little bit uh, hard to listen to now, but, you know, he's, he's got a pretty successful show. Yeah. yeah, it's hard to listen to somebody you can't relate to. That reminds me a lot of Colin Coward. Mm. Like the Herd. Yo, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I like his show, but he hate on Russell Westbrook so much. He hates everybody that's not LeBron James. Yeah, and it's just, I just feel so bad. Like any topics that don't like, I mean, it could be about football. He related back to Russell Westbrook. He's <laughs> like, you know, you know what's He's happening. Funny, but I didn't have a lot of money in my pocket, but you know, who else doesn't have a lot of uh, something, something. Russell Westbrook. I'm like, God <laughs> damn. Yeah, it's just like never correlates. Nothing. But yeah, that's like my one number one tip to people that want to start podcasts. Like, we had got like a couple questions in our DMs, like, like what should we do, like when we start on a podcast? And I think it's important to listen to podcasts first. Yeah. Like, before you do anything, like actually listen, see how they're how they're like um, constructed, how do you like start, how do you in the middle, like to the end, like how just listen to podcasts. But the great thing about podcasts is that there is no one lane to be in, yeah. and you can yeah. do it so many different ways, which is why it's so much better than radio. Not only because there's no commercials and because it's uncensored, you can say whatever you want, but it's because you know it's it's so new that it's we're just creating what it's going to be. Yeah. So you don't have to copy completely you know if you listen to one podcast you don't have to be just like them you can take pieces that you like but my i don't think any one podcast is exactly like mine which is the way i like it mm-hmm. yeah definitely do you think um corporations will like start to buy podcasts and like put them on their own networks like how like apple music does no i think i'm like paid for absolutely yeah. yeah and i think you're starting to see that with a lot of sponsorships i mean not not entirely what you're saying but I know Uber is now a sponsor of a lot of po- big yeah. time podcasts. Mm. Um, you see SeatGeek and StubHub. Basically, make it like exclusive, mm-hmm. like say, like say someone buy Joe Rogan podcast, you know. Yeah, and I know a lot of companies. Uh, I was talking to one called the Brownstein Group, and they're a lot of companies are making their own podcast, the Brownstein Group podcast, mm-hmm. where they're promoting their business and what they do. Um, so I think podcasts are becoming super mainstream, mm-hmm. and in my opinion, they're replacing music in terms of what people listen to when they're not doing much, either they're driving or they're cleaning, like I said, cooking, um, just laying in bed, in the shower, whatever. Me personally, I'm not listening to music anymore. I'm just doing podcasts. Music for me is the way if I'm, yeah. if I'm turning up or if I'm, yeah. if I'm trying to get hype. But it's really, you know, podcasting um, is, is intellectually stimulating and it's a way to feel connected to others in a, in a, in a high-level conversation. Um, even though you're not there with them, you feel like, you know, I'm applying for all these jobs this summer. Um, with, with other podcasts and I feel like I already know these people because I listen to them on a daily basis mm. so when I talk to them like I feel like I know you already because I listen to them every yeah, day yeah, yeah. you know and it feels like they're talking to me yeah. I definitely agree with that because like at, at, at a certain point of time you can only, there's only so much music even though there's a lot there's a lot of music out there but it's just like you don't want to listen to like your favorite song over and over because when you finally want to listen to it it's not going to have the same effect on you so sometimes it's good to just yeah, sit back and just listen to podcasts um, every week every month or how, like every day depending on what and plus, it's good to get other people's What's opinions. Your and there's a podcast for every single thing. Like you can, yeah, you can type anything, in anything. Listen yeah, to. it's there's wrestling podcasts that I listen to, mm-hmm. basketball, sports, like I don't know, fashion podcasts. Something I'm yeah. Something you can relate to. Exactly. You just want to feel connected with everyone else. That's a great shirt, by the way, Duff. I was uh, and they're and they're free, so. 
Yeah. And like music, you gotta pay a monthly. Pay for music, yeah. You just listen That's to people talk all day. Yeah. I stopped listening a little bit, like to what I had uh, Spotify. But I want to get into your story. You said before, like a couple minutes ago, that you got four concussions in in college, right? Or high school. Yeah. So, so I'm from Philly, born and raised, and, and grew up as a, a lifelong athlete, uh, baseball and basketball player. Uh, but in high school, it really became basketball. Went to Central High School. It was uh, it was all public. Uh, I was I like to say I was the best white guy in the public league. No, uh, but there weren't many, so I was one of few. Um, so I went to Denison University, a D3 in Ohio, to play basketball. Um, and within a year and a half, I got three concussions. Um, and the fourth one didn't happen until this past year, but it ended my playing career. Um, and I'm not going to bore you guys with details of that, but essentially, I came home to Temple to to finish my education and finish my recovery. To be honest, it's a year later, and I'm still finishing my recovery. I would say I'm about 90% uh, health-wise. Um, during my recoveries, couldn't watch TV, uh, couldn't play sports, couldn't do homework, couldn't read. So literally, all I was doing was listening to podcasts, probably 12 a day, mm. laying in bed, you know, feeling sorry for myself. But podcasts helped me get through a lot of that. So this past uh, late October, um, at Temple, I'm in school, and I'm in my recovery and I'm not doing much else so I have a lot of free time and I figure why not start my own podcast I love them I credit them with why I didn't um, you know stoop into a really dark place during my recovery um, so I figured I'd start my own and I love Philly when I was in Ohio at school I miss Philly so I figured why not base it around Philly and highlight the incredible people in Philly um, so that's that's a long story made into a very um, you know brief telling um, but that's really how I started my own podcast and it's kind of formed a new direction for my life, which I'm so you know incredibly grateful for, because before, prior to this, you know, basketball was everything, mm-hmm. uh, and you know I, I still had other interests, but so much of my time went into training and working out and lifting and, and watching film. Um, so I'm I'm grateful that you know I lost one passion, one door closed, but another one always opens, mm-hmm. and um, you know I would like to say that podcasting has become a new passion. Yeah. So you don't like feel any like type of like regret or something like that you can't play basketball anymore. But yeah, so I would say the first two months of of my recovery from my third concussion, uh, I felt that sadness of knowing I was never going to really play again, at least on a competitive level. Um, but after that, when I when I wasn't really getting better um, on a, a, from a health standpoint. My my concerns, my stress, you know, if you want to call it depression, was all about: Am I going to be able to live a healthy life again? Am I going to be able to think, you know, straight again? Am I able to not live with a constant headache or dizziness or fogginess? Um, so that that's that sadness of, of losing the sport I loved um, was short lived. Hmm. Um, and I still miss the game, obviously, and I and I try to be involved with it by working out kids, and I volunteer for uh, an organization called Philadelphia Youth Basketball, but. Um, you know, you realize that in comparison to real life, basketball is minuscule. Um, so it became bigger than basketball. It became much yeah. bigger than basketball. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it put things in perspective. <laughs> and everything is relative. Um, but I'm, I'm happy where I am now. And uh, I'm happy I can still be a part of the game. And one day maybe we'll play pickup again if I can uh, get to 100%. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm in a good place right now. And uh, I credit podcasting with, with why I'm here. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, do I have any questions about concussions? Because like it's kind of a big topic in like sports today, especially the NFL. Uh, 
I mean, I had a parents concussion. Parents are scared to put their kids, you know, in, in youth football leagues now. When I was a junior in high school, like I remember, it's kind of it was kind of weird how I got it. I was playing, I was playing dodgeball, and like in our school gym, like we had like brick walls in our gym, like a gym area, and like I didn't know how close I was to the wall, and like I I tried to like slide, and my head hit dead center in the wall, and I I thought like I opened my eyes, and like. I thought I was out for like a couple like minutes. They said like, dude, you were out for like like fifteen minutes. Like Jeez. they called they called like the paramedics and everything, and it was just like, like damn. And like when I woke up, it felt like literally like my brain was like somebody like had my brain like in like a fist lock. And I was like, for somebody who's like had a concussion, like that shit is serious. And like they like I couldn't look at my phone. Like I had to turn off all the lights. And like it was just like you have to just sit there and just like just let your body recover on its own because there's nothing you can really do. Yeah. Like it's no type of like 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 medicine or anything that's because at the end of the day like you're gonna hurt regardless and like it's not like a physical like it's all like it's all up here like I can't just like like massage my mm-hmm. brain like it's not like something like that but no concussions are scary bro and for you to have like more than one and for you to be bouncing back and looking like you know as well as you do like that's a, that's a pretty positive thing for people that have them yeah well I appreciate that I think um, a couple of things I have a lot of opinions about concussions but. For me, it wasn't necessarily the number that I had. It was the way I recovered, which really kind of screwed me over. Mm-hmm. The, the, my first one was the worst, but it was the shortest recovery. I, I should say worst hit. Mm. You know, I got similar to you, uh, but it was in a basketball game. I got hit. You know, I still don't remember the ride to the hospital. So that fucked me up pretty bad. But a week later, I was back on the court, and I felt fine. Thought nothing of it. It was like, all right, concussions are whatever. You know, you can recover easily. You were able to bounce back that quick? Yeah, because your first one, you can recover pretty quickly. My second one, I got hit in a pickup game with a shoulder. Kept playing. Didn't really know I had one. Just know I felt off. And it didn't feel like my first one, so I just thought it was nothing. Um, Kept playing. The next day, I woke up, uh, went to the weight room, did like a super super heavy total body lift. Um, It wasn't until the end of the weekend where I realized something was really off. And what that feeling was called fogginess. It's essentially a combination of feeling drunk and and hungover at the same time. Mm. Um, That lasted for four months because because I didn't rest the first 48 hours. Um, And, you know, I I try to not uh, beat myself up too much about it, but it's something that plagued me for a while was that I made the same mistake after my third one. Not in the same way, but I, this one was in the weight room actually uh, where it happened and a week later, I thought I was feeling better and I went back to the weight room and I lifted again before I was fully healthy. Uh, we're now th- almost 13 months later and I'm not fully healthy. So you see, it, I don't think it's from the amount of hits. Mm. It's really from the way you recover. So I would say to parents out there that are that have kids playing sports, don't freak out after mm, you know yeah. one concussion. Like in the you know 15 years ago we weren't serious enough about concussions now we're too serious about yeah. them mm-hmm. um you know if they recover well they'll be fine um you know you don't want your kid to have four or five six concussions but i would say until you talk to a doctor about it don't make any immediate sense oh my son can't play anymore because he had a concussion i i don't think that's the way to go about it and plus everybody's recovery is different everyone every concussion is like a snowflake they're all different yeah mm-hmm. um yeah and everyone's brain is different so. yeah and the symptoms everybody, are different yeah um I think what's been scariest for me um, is just the change of my brain chemistry, you know, and I had to go on antidepressants because I, I couldn't control the feelings I was having. Um, you know, when I used to think about depression, I thought about it as someone that, you know, intentionally wants to be sad. And I didn't realize that you can't control it. The feelings that, you, that come about you um, and come on to you, 
um, or out of your control. And I felt overwhelmingly sad at times, in in you know with feelings that I can't really describe. Um, and that is really from, you know, you could say it's from losing basketball or from not feeling well, but it's really from your brain chemistry getting knocked around, you know, with the amount of hits. Mm-hmm. So that 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 is scary. Um, but I think it's controllable, and you know, I try to stay relatively optimistic about you know my future, and I feel that I will fully you know recover. Mm-hmm. So the only way to like know you have a concussion is like to go to a hospital because you said you know you didn't get you didn't seek help right away, and you just like you know living day to day with the uh, with your pain. So you like have to go to the doctor to find out, get an MRI, MRI or something, scan. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I mean, a lot of the, the MRIs and stuff they don't they don't say much, but you definitely should not take it upon yourself to handle your recovery. You got to go to a doctor, yeah, and they'll tell you how many days they think you need to you know rest. If 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 your symptoms last, they'll give you some some tools or some uh, some tricks to get your brain back to working. So you do like vestibular exercises where you put a pen in front of your face, move to side to side, you know, train your eyes to work again. Um, so I definitely think you know <laughs> you, you shouldn't handle it on your own. You got to seek medical help. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and that, isn't, um, mm-hmm. like isn't like CTE like an accumulation of concussions? Yeah, I mean, I, like, I don't know a ton about it. I I know in the NFL that the test came out or that study came out where it said ninety seven percent of you know the guys they tested had CTE, but what they don't tell you is that a hundred percent of them were suspected of having CTE in the first place. Mm. So um, it's not it's not like ninety seven percent of NFL players have CTE. Um, you know, that being said, I don't really like to equate my situation with theirs because on a daily basis, they're taking hits to the head. Yeah. yeah. I've taken four hits, one of which, you know, maybe blackout. The rest of them were just regular hits. Um, so, you know, it's, it's different to be a boxer or a full-time football player where, the t- you know, from the time you're five, when you start playing to the time you're 30 and retired, you know, you're going to hit every play, every practice, every game. That's a little different. Um, but I think what's what's been tough for me recently and what's been frustrating is that no matter how much better I feel, I'm still I still have moments where I realize how susceptible I am, not to new concussions, but what I call irritations. And a lot of doctors haven't really been able to identify why this is. But if I, you know, were to, you know, fall out of my chair right now, or if you were to slap me on the back of my head just like you would to your friend saying hello, I might have five, six days of of intensified headache or dizziness that the normal person wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. So on a daily basis, I gotta be really careful. That's why I don't play basketball anymore, um, or at least not yet. Uh, if I go to a concert or a party, I'm constantly yeah. monitoring who's around me. Mm. Um, cause just, just cause you know, I, I've had this happen now 13, 14 times over the last year where I've had to miss two days of school here and there. And I don't call them new concussions. To me, they're just irritations. Mm. Um, but that's been a, a life change for me in terms of how I, it affects how I live. Um, but like I said, I'm in a much, much better place right now than I was even five months ago. Hmm. So what would you say to somebody that's like going through the things that you went through and like are just like starting off? Like you said, like this has been like a time, a time process for you. So how would you t- uh, speak to somebody that just started, like got their first concussion and, and want to get through it? You feel yeah. yeah, you know, I think what really helped me out, um, and this actually happened uh, probably uh, early during my podcast, when I was starting my podcast, I did an episode with a, a journalist friend of mine. She went to my high school and she wrote an article about me. And mm-hmm. when the article I posted, about nine to ten people reached out to me saying, man, like I went through something very similar. I completely identify with you. 
um, you know, let me know if you need to talk. And I think that's so important to know that like, I feel like sometimes you feel these feelings that you feel like nobody's ever experienced before. Mm -hmm. It's important to remember that people have gone through this and there are people out there that you can talk to about their experience. So sometimes you can feel really, really alone with it. Um, and then I would just say, know that you will get better. And I think even if sometimes I didn't believe it, my doctors always said, you know, you will get better. It might take time, but you will get better. So I'm, I feel like at times throughout it, I felt like I won't get better. And I feel like a lot of kids do think that when they when they see three, four weeks go by, months go by, where they don't feel themselves getting better, they feel like something's getting worse. Um, so two things. One, keep in mind that there's others out there that have been through what you're going through. And secondly, you will get better. Mm. Yeah, definitely. So uh, spending off of uh, concussions, you're, you are a collegiate athlete, right? So what do you think about uh, the whole NCAA like organizations you know, making billions of dollars and, you know, kids aren't getting, like, you know, salaries. Some people would, like, want salaries for the students, but the other argument is that they get their scholarship paid for, obviously, but, you know, the, um, the colleges are still making billions of dollars. So what do you, how do you think that money should be dispersed yeah, to absolutely. the students? I think it's a very complicated issue. And I'll just say first, as a D3 athlete, I wouldn't make money either way. <laughs> um, but uh, my school was not making billions of dollars off, off of the basketball team. We maybe had, Football. we maybe had 400, 500 people come to each game. Mm. Um, but, uh, but no, so it's a complicated issue, uh, mainly because you can just say, oh, why don't you just pay the athletes? Well then, okay, are you paying uh, the girls' field hockey team the same as the ba the men's basketball team. Yeah. I mean, they're clearly generating different types of money. Yeah. Exactly. Um, that being said, uh, I absolutely think that the players um, should be getting paid that are generating money for the school. Um, and it, it's complicated to figure out, you know, how much money, what teams, what players. But I think a really, really simple solution, and just obvious to me, I don't understand why they haven't done it, is just let the best players get sponsorships. Why not? Why can't DeAndre Ayton capitalize yeah. off of his image and Make get a Nike sponsorship? Or at yeah. least let it be like a pool or something. Because like I, I feel that when you start trying to, I, in my opinion, as, as a person that did play, like, participate in sports in college, like you put a lot of work in. And sometimes you're putting in more work than the professional athletes because you have to yeah. work and get there. Get to, yeah. Exactly. Even though like, I was only on the D2 level, but there's the, the D1 guys, like they put in a lot of work and a lot of hard time. But then it gets to the point where you start to, when you start to um, distribute the funds, you don't want to like, you know, be called like sexist or anything for saying that like a, a male sport should get paid more than a female sport. Or you don't want to discriminate against one sport by saying, uh, well, why can't lacrosse players get much of the football mm -hmm. team? And it just, it, it's a it's a, it causes a lot of controversy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this is a really touchy subject. And, but the argument that, you know, it, it takes away from the amateurism of the game and it, you know, it's not what college sports should be. I mean, that's BS at this point. Oh, most definitely. Uh, just because. The schools are making a shit ton of money off of these high-level athletes, and they should be, you know, that's why it, there's so much pressure for them to go to the league, even if they're not ready, because they have yeah, to make money off of them. Like, yeah, one and done. Some of these kids, you know, can't pay for their own lunch. They don't go yeah. through every day having three meals. Um, so they should absolutely capitalize on what they can. Um, and I, I just think the easy solution is, is allowing players to take sponsorships. Yeah, yeah that would yeah, be good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, you know, sell their jerseys, well, sign their jerseys for money and stuff, but that's, a, that's against the rules. I mean, yeah, because it was, it was players in uh, the NBA and the NFL that were like Antonio Brown, for example. Antonio Brown was homeless for most of his college career. Like, he used to spend the night at his coach's house, like, going back and forth to different games. Jimmy mm -hmm. Butler, he, he, when he, before he went to Marquette, he played uh, in a, a Juco basketball. He was homeless. Mm -hmm. And yeah. there was a lot of players that really, like, struggled to get there and didn't have any type of support from their family. So I feel like they should be paid. Especially if you're a D1 athlete and you're like the star of the team, pay that man. At a performance level, a professional performance level, yeah, you deserve a sponsorship, mm -hmm. money, or something. 
something. Yeah. Or at least give your parents some money, like your family face, or something. Be the something. face of the Nike. Yeah. It's not fair. Adidas. Like a, yeah. a college is selling your jersey, and you're not getting any like you know uh, any uh, what's that word royalties from it. Yeah, yeah. I think the hypocrisy comes in more with the coaches. I think uh, Urban Meyer at Ohio State football is making you know five million a year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, that to me. That's not right for the coach to be making and that much like money and the players to be making nothing. You can't even buy a student's like a sandwich. Yeah. Like that's against the rules. You can't give them anything. If you buy him a sandwich, you got to buy it like the entire team. Mm-hmm. But you can't like single out one player. Mm. I don't know why, though. But, but I, I, f- I find it kind of weird, though. Because what I don't get is that they, people are having, like, you know, like with even, even with like most of the D2 schools now, like they're finding out that people were bribing them. But it's like, what do you expect? Yeah, because like these these kids like they come from like backgrounds where most of them like they come from broken homes, but they're athletes. Like some of them, I'm not gonna say all of them, because not every athlete comes from a broken, broken home. home yeah. like, exactly. But some of them they come from like hard backgrounds, and it's like, like yeah, you know they're coming to school, they're getting paid for school, but when they go home, it's deeper than that. Like they, I feel like there definitely should be some type of like monetary value, or at least like some type of stipend, because at the end of the day, if they win the championship, they're bringing more money to the school. So why won't you pay the athlete that's bringing the mm-hmm. money in? Yeah, and um, LeVar Ball, he's starting his own league. Well, mm-hmm. he already started it, I believe. I don't know. But he's going to pay high school students um, a salary, like what like uh, bench players make in the NBA probably. But do you think that's um, that's a smart decision to give high school players $50,000? Uh, you know, they're still 18 years old and don't have, like, the mental to have that much money. Well, I don't think it's the, I don't think it's high school kids. I think it's graduates, right? They got to be college. I think it's going to be AAU league. I don't, I'm not sure. No, I, th- I think it's it's for um, it's like a substitute to the G League almost. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, they're still young. Like, and I'm not sure if they're making that much money. Um, but I, th- you know, I think it's a, yeah, allegedly the best players. But. I think it's a viable alternative. I don't think it's going to draw the best players. Um, but I think you know I, I like what the NBA is doing with the G League, and in the you know short term future, I really think that. Players are going to have the option to go to the G League right from high school, uh, make some money, um, not a ton, but make some money, and then be able to play in the NBA. Some guys are just not meant to be in college. That's um, a fact. And, and you saw with Ben Simmons at LSU, like there was no reason for him to be there after yeah, he the season. He didn't go to any. College yeah, after the season over, you know, he knows he's going to the NBA. There's no reason for him to be in school. I mean, and I think you know you can value education, but at some point, these guys know what their future is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And honestly, at the end of the day, some students that actually hurts their chances because if, some, if your grades aren't right, then you won't even play. play yeah. Like even though like that's sometimes not the case for like the best players in the country in D1, but especially like players on like, the D2 level and like high D2. Like if your grades aren't up to par, they're not even going to play you, which messes up your chances to even get looked at. That's why like I don't. No, I, I feel like there should be like some type of platform that a lot of players they they just want to play basketball. They shouldn't have to go to college. Yeah, man. Subscribe now to hear new episodes every Sunday. Available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio, and of course wherever where podcasts are found. And after that, be sure to leave a rate and review because your opinion means a lot to us, and honesty goes a long way. Now back to the show. But yeah, so um, do you think like uh, college athletes should spend one year in college and go to the NBA or the NFL, or not the NFL, but but should they like spend time in college to mature their game, mature their um, their education instead of uh, chasing the money? I just don't have the luxury, uh, you know, with money in terms of doing that because nothing's guaranteed. They could get hurt in one year of college and not get paid. Yeah. 
Um, so, no, I, I mean, I, I think that if you're not ready, definitely go to college, but this G League would present a good option um, to further build your skills, learn how the NBA works, and get funneled into a system that you'll be running in the NBA. Um, and, uh, you know, either, you know, get your education after you're done playing or, um, you know, just read a lot. I mean, but a lot of these guys, I mean, that go to school for a year knowing they're going to the NBA don't get education anyway. So it's not, that's not really important. Listen, fuck that. College is, college is a business, okay? And yeah. I feel as though that the only reason that people are trying to draw all these athletes to college is just to try to build the, the prestige of the university itself because I don't really feel like you're going to learn anything different from a semi-professional coach, like a double-A coach, rather than you would learn something from like a college-level coach. You're probably going to teach you the same things. It all depends on what you take out of it. I mean, honestly, in my opinion, so, like, if you, if, I feel like the only reason that you should play college basketball, and if, like, you need to, like, like, the players, for instance, like, they go to the NBA, like, Todd Gibson, or, like, um, a Raheem Christmas, or a player like that, who won't necessarily make a splash in the G League, so they need, like, those extra years to maintain and find, because you can honestly, you, I think you can still get cut from the G League and things like that, and so if you want some type of, like, safety net where, you, like, you know you can't, like, you're not waking up every morning, like, yeah. wondering not if you don't, if you're not going to have a job the next day, then go to college and play ball, but if you want to, like, make some money and, like, start your professional career off, then I'd say go overseas or go to the G League. Yeah, I and mean, we're also talking about a very small percentage of guys. I mean, yeah. only the top percentage of guys make, you know, make, can make the NBA or, or even get paid to play. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I wouldn't recommend... Not going to college for someone playing in the, uh, you know, in the MAC or the Patriot League. Uh, yeah. We're talking about guys that are the best players for Kentucky, Duke, Nova, like a Trey Young or something. Yeah, like that. I mean, a lot of these guys should go to college because they're not good enough to not go to college. Yeah. yeah. Like, and if it's a, if you want to go to school, it's a free it's a free tuition. Like, don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. Like, if you want to, if you really want to get that degree and you have yes. some type of athletic talent, then by all means, go get that degree. Yeah, support um get your degree because your career can end. Anytime you sure. need something to fall back on, mm-hmm. a lot of you know players they go broke. You know, don't have anything. No, seventy five percent of all NBA players go broke within their fourth year of retirement. Yeah, and that's amazing that's to a, me. Yeah, the league just cycles them out basically, and you get paid all of that money. Where does it go? Like even Allen Iverson, Allen Iverson yeah, 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 I don't a, get that. Uh, was on an allowance. Grown man, he's on an allowance because like at the end of the day, like that all that money can go away, and then where's your money gonna come from? Yeah, yeah just living behind. They live a certain kind of lifestyle when they're in the NBA though. And when you retire, the same money is not coming in anymore. That's so. So now, how are you going to pay off your rent, the bills, your car note? How are you going to continue to that? Yeah, yeah, but that's that's you true. You got friends on payroll. That's that's true. But at the end of the day, you know, you got to understand something. Like the NBA, you're not there forever. Like you, you need to stop living in the moment and realize that, yo, I'm going to need some of this money, like for the rest of the forty years of my life. Like you, people, most players retire when they're like what, thirty three, thirty five. Younger like, than that, yeah. way younger. But I like the point you brought up about their friends on payroll. Um, it's the, their lifestyle. It's not just about the cars they buy and the houses yeah. they buy and they and, and then jewelry. Uh, I was with. Um, I did a podcast episode with John Salmons, who, who spent a bunch of years in the NBA for the Sixers mm-hmm. a little while, and he's also working with me a little bit with Philadelphia Youth Basketball. And one thing he said was like these NBA guys, a lot of them. You know, are supporting five, ten plus people, yep. um, and they're expected to do that. And it's important for them to set boundaries because, like you said, when they're done playing, that same money can't come in. Nope. Um, if they don't have a, f- a fallback option, so you know they gotta be selective with with who they surround themselves with. Mm. Exactly. So, um, going back towards uh, podcasting, what is one thing that you found out about found out about yourself like since you started your podcast? 
Um, <laughs> uh, you know, one thing I found out about myself is that uh, I really like and I like I like creativity, and found out that I am a little bit creative. Uh, I didn't think I had any of that before. Um, and I, I had some friends that were artists, some friends that were digital artists, some friends that are, are consider themselves creative musicians, and I was just the athlete. Um, so I think that I've you know learned to embrace creativity and discover my own creativity uh, in this process. Yeah. Did you uh, discover anything about yourself, Duffy? Podcasting? Yeah. Uh, I learned I wasn't scared in front of the mic anymore. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you got better uh, speaking. Yeah, I got better communicating with people. Face to face, not on social media. I'm a better talker now. I started engaging more, reading books. And yeah, that was one of the reasons I started because I got all my thoughts off on Twitter. Yeah. I just got tired tired of like, typing and stuff. But I learned that I don't know anything. <laughs> and it's a lot. Is and it's a lot more to know. Yeah. Cause you like you Cause said, you got to keep up with it. Yeah, I listen to other podcasts. They just be like so informed and stuff. And mm-hmm. like, damn, I, I want to get like that. Yeah. That just um pushes me to you know uh, go out mm-hmm. and read, go mm-hmm. out and uh, talk to different types of people from like other walks of life. So you know, get their views on certain like topics. Being a balanced person, really. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what it really taught me. And all off, it taught me how to be a better person, be more balanced. Yeah, definitely. How about you, uh, Vanessa Belli? I mean, uh, I just appreciate the fact that there are people out there that think like me and there are people out there that agree with me and some of the stuff that I have to say because sometimes, you know, especially going being from high school where, like, you feel like you're only by yourself and, like, nobody else, like, really, like, has, like, comes from the same walk of life as you. It's like, wow, there are people out there that validate my opinion and, like, will think around the same, around close to where, um, along the lines of what I have to say. And it's, it's humbling, honestly, to think that there are people out there that actually, um, yeah, just think like me. So I like that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so yeah, you're um, going to be at a live podcast event, right? You're going to have your own your own uh, Let's time talk about slot. that. Yeah. yeah. Well, one day I was just scrolling through Facebook and I saw there was the Philadelphia Podcast Society, so I asked to join. And then like the first post that I saw was like uh, applied to be in the Philadelphia Podcast Festival, and that sounded cool to me. So I looked into it um, and I applied, and I was one of forty five to be accepted. So I think through June twenty first through July first. Uh, there's podcasts every day, different venues throughout the city. Mine's on the last day, July 1st, 3 p.m., Sunday at the Tattooed Mom Bar on South Street. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I'm trying to figure out now who my guest is going to be, hopefully someone big enough that the audience will know. Mm-hmm. I want to involve the audience in the podcast, asking questions, participating. Um, and i got to work on recruiting friends of mine, family, to come out and support and I want any any listeners that are interested to come and support. And uh, I, I think it's going to be similar to my everyday podcast, but I'm going to add some visual elements to it. Mm. Do you have any uh, nerves like about the day? Uh-huh. I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see myself in front of a live audience. There's not a lot of room for error. Not that I do a lot of editing with my podcast now, um, but there is that comfort to know you can edit something out. Yeah. Uh, you can edit out a long pause or saying something wrong. Uh, so... I'm I'm excited for it, especially because next semester at Temple, I'm hosting my own TV show on a very similar premise to my podcast, except instead of famous Philadelphians, it's going to be prominent Temple alumni. Um, So that'll be my my first experience uh, in front of a live audience, um, similar to what I would have uh, with TV. Mm. Um, You have to go soon, so 
might have to wrap this uh, episode up, especially since we don't have the microphones. But, yeah, it was uh, nice speaking to you. You want to give your ad names out again to your podcast? No, I appreciate that. And this is a lot of fun being on, and I uh, I wish you guys luck with everything. But uh, my, my, my podcast, so on iTunes and SoundCloud, it's Philly Space Famous Space Podcast. Uh, I'm not cheesy, so I didn't do the PH. It's still F. Um, <laughs> And uh, Instagram is at Philly Famous Podcast, Twitter at Philly Famous Pod, and our website is phillyfamouspodcast.net. Uh, if you want to be featured or have someone that you know that would fit really well with what I do, feel free to reach out at greg.holdsman at gmail.com, and I will, I will gladly take any, any uh, pitches or requests, and I, and I love hearing about new, new people. Um, and I got a lot, a lot of great episodes coming up soon. I think I got Mark Zumoff, who's the Sixers announcer, next week. Should be a good one. And, um, you know, please subscribe, leave a rating, comment. I, I want to hear any feedback, and I want to keep making the podcast better and better. Yeah, definitely go out there, subscribe, listen, do everything you can to support. Uh, one question, how did you get uh, Monet Davis on your podcast? Because we would like to have her. Uh, Monet, um, so uh, I'm, uh, I have some relationship with Steve Bandura, who runs uh, the Anderson Monarchs uh, at the Anderson Recreation Center, mm-hmm. which is where she grew up all the way playing soccer, baseball, basketball. Uh, his son, Scott Bandura, was the catcher on that Little League World Series team. Um, so I would know. I would, I would gladly give uh, give you know his contact to you guys. Um, but no, she you know she was good. I, you know I think um, it's not one of my stronger episodes. I think one thing that's important to realize is that you know she's a sixteen year old girl. Yeah. I mean she she doesn't love the spotlight. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you know she's got a great story and she's and she's she's going to do great things. Um, I'm not sure how comfortable she is on on the mic. Um, but no, she, she she was great. Yeah, I liked her episode with the swimmer as well. Um, after the episode, I looked at some clips of him in competition. I think that was a great interview. No, Reese Reese is he's a uh, well beyond his years. He's you know an eighteen yeah, year old kid, but you would think he's thirty. Yeah. Um, and I I feel confident that he's going to represent USA in the next Olympics and maybe bring home a medal. Yeah, definitely. That would be cool. He's from Philly, right? He's from Philly, Penn, <laughs> Penn Charter, where I actually went to school before Central High School. All right, so yeah, uh, it's the Podcast and Chill Show. Subscribe everywhere. SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher. Um, where else? Forget. Uh, IR Radio. IR yeah. Radio, of course, yeah. The main platforms. Yeah. Follow me on Instagram, warlock.ed. Thank you. Follow me at DuffNoBear. You can follow me anywhere. Come on, mm-hmm. man. You already know what it is. Follow me at on Instagram at Finessavelli. Follow me on Twitter at Finessavelli. You know I don't take cards. Thank you very much. And it's very hot. It's cooling down, though. Kanye's a genius. <laughs>